Thank you for downloading the podcast. We pray the Word of God will richly bless you today. Now let's get right into the Word with Pastor Rusty Martin. Go back to the book of Genesis chapter 3 if you will. I guess if we were to title this, we'd call it Truth versus truth versus versus the lie. Amen. If you ever get into the place that God wants you, you will come under attack because the devil does not want you in the place that God wants you. That began all the way back in the garden when God put a man and a woman in a place he had prepared for them. Immediately there came an attack upon them to get them out of that place. Now understand this about your place. God has a place for every believer, for every Christian. And I guess there's no other way to say it. The closer you get to the heart of God, the closer you get to what God really does in the earth, the more vulnerable you are to those attacks. People all the time. I watch people here at Island Church. I watch people in field ministry. And I, and I came up with this, I don't know if you call it a, a scenario or whatever, but you're either, where God places you in the body of Christ, you're either fighting to stay there or you're fighting to get out. And I've seen people fight for years to get out, and finally they find their way out. They just, you know, they find their way out. Because churches are designed to put a demand upon the believer to grow in the things of God, to, 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 to find your calling, because you can find your calling within the confines of the local church, and to discover your destiny, which every man and woman that will serve God will find what their true destiny is or their purpose in life. God didn't create you without a purpose. There is a purpose for your existence upon this planet. And somebody they told me, they said, well, you know, I've visited a few churches around Galveston, and, man, the churches of Galveston are full of people from Island Church. Well, that, thank God I'm helping fill all the churches up. It's amazing how people see everything in a negative light. They thought they could really gig me with that. And I said, well, man, thank God I'm, I'm helping fill up all the churches. I remember when we began to go over to Abundant Life, all the people I used to see from Lakewood coming over there. You know, Pastor Osteen populated all the churches of Houston out of Lakewood Church. Amen? You say, what do you mean by that? Well, some go right and some go wrong. But listen. The sheep that God places in a sheepfold are not under the discretion of the pastor. They're under the discretion of Jesus Christ, the head of the church. He puts them where he wants. And when you finally figure out where you're supposed to be, you've got to fight to stay there because if you are in a church that is actively doing something in the world and in its area, and I like to say it like this, in its Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth, then you're going to be literally vulnerable to attack to try to get you out of there. Now, 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 it happened again. You know, I, I know God's fed up with this stuff. That's why he's going to one day rapture us, get us out of here. But it happened again when he raised up a nation, the children of Israel. It time, came time for them to go in and possess the promised land. And instead of going in and possess the promised land, they spent 40 years in the wilderness dying. Well, that wasn't the will of God. It's not the will of God for you to stay in the wilderness 40 years and die. So the good news is, if you study the principles of the Word of God, if you, if you adhere to them and understand what the truth is designed to do. I, I, I heard this that I thought was so good. A lot of people, when they really need the truth of the Word of God to come, to come give them a big hug, it gives them a spanking. Did you hear that? 
When they really need the truth of the Word of God to give them a big hug, it doesn't give them a big hug. It gives them a spanking. It corrects them. It instructs them in righteousness. It helps them figure out, hey, 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 you're yielding to something that's going to take you out of your promised land. You're yielding to something that's going to destroy you. You're yielding to something because all things being equal in the Word of God, if we live by the Word of God and by the laws of love in the Word of God, there shouldn't be any hurt people. Amen? He said, well, I'm hurting, I'm in pain. Well, you can always trace your hurt and your pain back to areas of your life where you've gotten yourself in trouble. You say, well, I didn't do it. <laughs> that's, the, that's the biggest, uh, how can I say, that's the biggest indication is you're a victim now. I'm just a victim. I'm just, you know, they did it to me. All, all the they's, uh, whoever they is, I, I, I don't know who they are. But you know what they say and what they do and what they, I mean, you've got to get delivered of all of that and make a decision that the Word of God is worth adhering to and the plan of, your, plan of God for your life is so valuable that it's worth finding out what it is and living in it. Amen? Now, we, we looked at this, and I'm not going to go back and re-preach last week, but we saw in verse 4 where the serpent got the woman to the part, to the place where he could impart a lie to her. He said to her, ye shall not surely die. Now this is in reference to the command of God when he said, if you eat of the tree in which I commanded you not to eat, in the day you eat thereof, you shall surely die. And the enemy was able through just his manipulation, through his uh, you know, engaging her in what seemed like a spiritual conversation, was able to get her to a point where he saw she was vulnerable to a lie. And then when he imparted that lie to her, she fell for it. Hook, line, sinker. Not only that, and not only, not only did she fall for it, the man fell for it. Which is really a tragedy because everybody wants to blame the woman, but in reality the man had the right to step in between that incident and God and be an intercessor for his woman and say, God, she's made a mistake, but I'm here to stand in between her and you in order to see this thing resolved and redemption come. Not only that, God gave the man an out. God always gives people an out. I mean, when he asked the question, have you eaten of the tree which I told you not to eat of? All he had to do was answer with one word. It's really that easy. And listen, we say it's really that easy, but how many, <laughs> how many times in your life has it been a one-word answer and you didn't do it? You just blah your entire story. When you should have just one word, yes. Amen. So let's don't pick on Adam. And God was pulling for him. God was hoping. Just one word, Adam. And what did Adam say? Nope. So what one you gave me? Blame. Amen. We saw fear show up. I was afraid. Couldn't approach the voice of the Lord correctly. We know all that that happened and took place. But now notice this. He blames the woman. The woman blames the snake. The snake's kind of like, well, you know, <laughs> there ain't nobody else around to blame. Amen. So he gets the curse. Amen. But now notice this. I want us to look at verse 15. Out of all the other things that happened, we know the curse came upon the earth. Thorns began to grow. Man had to begin to work by the sweat of his brow and the work of his, work of his strength. But it says in verse 15, he says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman 
and thy and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, I don't know to the extent in which Adam and the woman understood this scripture or this word from God. But when God said this, this was truth. Everybody say truth. So in the in the in the in the shadow of the lie that caused humanity to fall, God spoke truth. Now, Adam and the woman lived, you know, hundreds of years and eventually died. And we know that they, they died uh, serving God. I don't believe Adam and the woman went to hell. I don't believe they did. I believe they, they served God with the knowledge that they had. And when they died, they went into paradise. They went into the heart of the earth. I believe that's what happened to them. Now, in the meantime, it took centuries and millenniums for this word of truth to come to pass. Where God actually took the seed of the woman... And he bruised the head of the serpent. That, word, that, that phrase literally means to take away the authority thereof. And one day the truth of God, Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. The truth of God came in and bruised and took the authority away from the serpent. I'm glad you're so excited. That's why you're saved. That's why you're born again. That's why God will listen to you when you pray. And that's why when you pray, he'll respond to you. Because he did what he said he was due. Because he does not tell the truth. He is the truth. Now, with that in mind, before I, I got all these scriptures marked, so I'll try my best. Look at, look at Proverbs real quick. I want to show you something to help you understand your enemy a little bit. First, uh, Proverbs 26, verse 28. Now notice this, a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Now notice that again, a lying tongue hateth those that are afflicted by it. Now we're not referring to any person, any group of people, we're referring to your adversary the devil. Because we'll see in just a moment, he is a liar, he is the father of lies, and as God is truth, Satan is a lie. Now remember when we started talking about this last week, we said we want to prepare you to be the type of person who when, if you get a bad diagnosis or a bad report, you view it as a lie. That's not truth, that's a lie. Not that you're denying something, not that you live in some type of a denial, but, but, but the fact of some reality that goes against the grain of redemptive truth, you view that, that's a lie. That's a lie. So many Christians do not do that. So many Christians accept anything that the world or the world system tells them as the truth. Now we've talked about this for years in our teaching on faith. There is the factual realm, but there is also the truth realm. You can live in the factual realm with no effort whatsoever. But the truth realm is going to take some effort to live in. And you have an adversary that has lied to you and he hates you. Now, let me just say this, because I'm telling you, people know the voice of the adversary more than they know the voice of God. It's those negative thoughts that come into your mind constantly. But you have to learn how to judge those thoughts. Are you ready? They are a lie. All right, let me try that again. They are a lie. If Satan is talking to you, he's lying. Let me say that again. You need to hear that. He hates you. Proverbs 26 shows us that. 
Because he knows a lie can affect you, so he is trying to impart a lie to you that you're going to entertain, grab a hold of, because he knows the eventual the eventuality of that is going to be destruction in your life. So every time he tries to communicate to you, that's why I've always said, turn the tables on him. If the enemy says you're sick, you ought to put your hands up and just say, thank God I'm healed. Lord, I just want you to know the devil just tried to tell me I was sick, but your word says by his stripes I'm healed, so I'm just going to stand on the truth. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Mr. Devil, you're so stupid. Everything you tell me, I'm just going to rejoice because God told me something different. I'm going I'm to I'm lean on. I'm going to live in. I'm going to stand on. I'm going to rejoice in, and I'm going to speak the truth of God's word. And that's not denial. That's application of the word of God. Now, go, if you will, real quick. Go to the book of John, the gospel of John. Now notice this, the Gospel of John, chapter 8, verse 31. This is a scripture, most of you can probably quote this scripture. Verse 31 says, Then Jesus, then said Jesus to the Jews which believed on him, If, now notice the word if. Now do you remember what I made, the statement I made about the word if? Does anybody remember? It, it shows us there's a choice, but it also removes the religious doctrine of sovereignty. You say, what do you mean? Well, the religious doctrine of sovereignty, which is the fatherhood of God, the brotherhood of man, which like God is in control of everything, and, and God everything is doing is already a preset thing in which God was going to do, and, and God, you know, He plans this and allows that and plans this and blah. Well, if that was true, there'd be no ifs in the Bible. Because ifs denote a choice on behalf of the one that is embracing the truth of the Word of God. So now, you know, I mean, if you should believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead. Salvation is a choice. Predestination and Calvinism means that God has already had a chosen group of people. So these will get saved, but these will not. And these will go to heaven, but these will not. That's a lie. That is a lie. I don't care who, who propagates it. It's a lie. The Bible says, what does the truth say? The truth says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Whosoever. We used to sing an old song in Pentecost, Whosoever Meaneth Me. So, some of you might remember that old song. Now notice what it says here. It says, And Jesus said unto the Jews which believed on Him, If, everybody say if, if you continue in my word. Now literally, study that word continue, and you'll see a, a, a progression of interaction with the word of God. That means on every level there is an interact. You're interacting with your mind. You're interacting with your intellect. You're interacting with your words. You're embracing. You're continuing in the word. It actually, if you studied out in the Greek, it, there's a there's a bend of that word, which actually means like a relationship between a husband and wife. Once a husband and wife stand before the minister and get married, then they continue on their life's journey. Well, you ought to be married to that word. And you ought to continue a journey in it. That's literally what Jesus is trying to show them. He says, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. How many disciples we have? It says, and you shall know the truth. Now that word know also has a, a, a varied meaning. It literally means not only to understand and perceive it, but experience it. Woo, somebody should have shouted. I said somebody should have shouted. You say, what do you mean by that? God doesn't want you just to, to, to have an understanding of the proclamation of what God says. He wants a demonstration of God's life and power in your life. That is the greatest church building tool on the planet. 
is the life. I mean, they can say everything about you. They, they can call you a cult. They can say anything. But I'm telling you, when the power of God and the anointing of God and the story of it starts getting out, you can't keep the people away. That's why God wants His church to flow in signs and wonders and miracles and the supernatural. And I know the enemy always tries to suppress that. He always tries to make light of that, always tries to raise up other people that are, well, that's not for today. But I'm telling you, God desires to touch people with His life and power. Amen? If you continue in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. You shall know, you should experience, understand, and perceive the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So in any area where you're bound, you need to be free. Financially bound, you need to be free. Physically bound, you need to be free. Bound with a habit, you need to be free. In any area in which you're bound, you need freedom. And the Word of God, the truth of God's Word, will set you free. But what keeps you bound? What keeps you bound? What keeps you bound is a lie. Amen? Now, real quick, because i got two scriptures I want you to see. Well, one story and one story. And one story. Go to Numbers real quick. Numbers is the story. Numbers 13 and 14 is the story of what happened at Kadesh Barnea when the children of Israel were called by God to go in and possess. Does anybody remember what God called the land? Does anybody remember? A land. That flowed with milk and honey. That's what God calls it. Now, that, there's an important point right there. What is reality or what should be reality in your life should be what God says about something. Your own life. You can think, well, Pastor, you know, I'm just an old, man, I'm an old drunkard, drug addict, just lived like hell. But, you know, I got saved, get by, filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm just a poor old sinner saved by grace. That's not what God says about you. That's, how not, that's not how God sees you. God sees you, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, God sees you as a new creature in Christ Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21, He sees you as the righteousness of God in Christ. That one scripture right there is mocked by Christianity. I heard a man on the radio one time until I finally turned it up. Get up and say this. How dare anybody that is a Christian say they are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Why, no man has attained unto righteousness. I agree, no man ever will. But God conferred that righteousness on us through His Son Jesus. It's not our own, it's His, and that's how God sees us. It's, if God did not see us in that righteousness, we wouldn't even have any business being here tonight. You have right standing with God. Now in Numbers, let me pick it up. Uh, verse 26 of chapter 13. I'm going to skip around here, but we'll, you'll get, the, you'll get the, the, the gist of it. It says, And they went and came to Moses and to Aaron, to all the congregation and the children of Israel, under the wilderness of Paran, to Kadesh, and brought back, now notice I've got this parenthesized in my in my in my Bible, brought back word, everybody say word, unto them and unto all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him and said, We came into the land, whither thou sendest, now notice this, and surely it floweth with milk and honey, and this is the fruit of it. Now you know the story, the men went, they, they cut grapes. They had to, could you imagine a grape as big as a, as a cantaloupe? Oh my God, you just put it on your head and eat your way around it, you know. That's a big grape. And, and they're coming back and they're saying, 
You know what they're saying? Just like God said. 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 But now notice the next verse. It says, nevertheless, right next to that, in every Bible I've ever had, I wrote this. Yeah, but. Amen. Because I'm telling you, the yeah, buts of your life can keep you out of the promised land. Yeah, but the people be strong that dwell in the land. The cities are walled. Well, they've never seen walled cities. Uh, uh, and very great. Moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. Those were the giants. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebutites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And in the Canaanites dwell by the sea in the coast of Jordan. And Caleb, now thank God for the Caleb and the Caleb spirits. Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now listen, he saw what was happening. I mean, I, I tell you, sometimes you see train wrecks in slow motion in people's lives, and you're going, oh my God, can't you see what you're doing? Can't you see what you're saying? Can't you, can't you see what you're doing to the faith that is in your heart? Can't you see what you're doing to all that you've invested into the kingdom of God and into your life? And people just run head on into the wall. Boom. And they leave their family, they leave their jobs, they, they get divorced, they leave their church, they, they leave all people just they just they just rebel against God. It's one of the most amazing phenomenons I've ever seen. And no matter, no telling how many generations and thousands or hundreds of thousands of years that's gone on. It's not something new to God. He saw it in heaven, he saw it in the garden. Now he's seen it with his nation, the children of Israel. I mean, he's probably like, man. The Amalekites, Caleb still, we're well able. But the men that went up, now listen to this, now listen. The men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against this people, for they are stronger than we. That, there's the lie right there. There it is right there. It's always a setup. It comes subtly. It need, listen, it needs the enforcement of the flesh. It needs the enforcement of the senses. Are you ready for this? <laughs> It needs a feeling. It needs a feeling. You say, what do you mean? It needs a feeling. These words are causing what? A feeling, a panic, a fear. They're listening and they're hearing. And Caleb kind of gets up and just butts into the thing and says, Hey, man, come on, what's wrong with all you people? We're well able to go and take the land. And immediately upon that exhortation, what's the devil do? He throws a lie in there. Amen. Now notice, notice what happens here. For they are stronger than we. That's a lie. They've got God on their side. And they brought up, now notice what the Word of God calls it, an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search is a land that what? Now listen, listen. A land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. In inhabitants thereof. Now, 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 is that what God called the land? What did God call the land? What do they call the land? A land in which that eateth up. They renamed the land. Now, I could get real personal here and talk about how God loves you to rename. I mean, excuse me, how the devil wants you to rename things that God puts into your life. 
Oh, our pastor's great. He's a jerk. Come on. All kinds of things in your life that's godly and holy and righteous. The enemy works on you and works on you and works on you to try to get you to rename it. Mm -mm -mm. Trying to get the truth to work in you. Amen. What do you mean a land that eateth up? God says it's a land that flows with milk and And all the people that we saw are men of great stature. Now notice this. And we saw the giants and the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own side as grasshoppers. Now not only have they renamed the land, they've renamed themselves. We're grasshoppers. Now I don't know of any grasshopper that's ever intimidated anybody very much at all. But did you know what's amazing? That is not what their natural enemies ever said about them. The Bible says of their natural enemies over in Joshua chapter 5 that when they saw the children of Israel after 40 years of dying in the wilderness cross over that Jordan River that there was no strength in them to fight and that their hearts melted like wax. Man. We were as grasshoppers and so were we in their sight. Now notice chapter 14, verse 1. And the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept all night. You talk about supplying a feeling. There's your feeling right there. Oh, woe is me. Look what we've got ourselves into. I mean to tell you. Uh, and it, and it, it literally, what it does, it causes you to ingest and digest the lie of your adversary. Because when you ingest and digest it, you have to live of what's on the inside. And they all died because of it. This is, this is where their dying began. Dying began right there. It says, and all the children of Israel murmured. Now notice this. Murmured against Aaron and Moses and the whole congregation said unto them. Now listen to this. Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt. Or would God that we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore hath the Lord brought us unto this land to fall by the sword that our wives and our children should be a prey? We, uh, uh, were it not better for us to return to Egypt? There's another lie. And they said one to another, here you go, they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. Now, same spirits in the world today. And here, oh, I don't know if I can transmit to you like you need to hear it. It's, it's not something that comes to you and then you fight it off. It comes to you. It's already in you. You wake up with that every morning. You say, what do you mean? The Bible says that we're all children of disobedience under the sway of the past. You say, well, I'm born again. I'm a born again Christian. Your flesh isn't. And neither is your mind. And I'm telling the adversary knows how to stimulate your flesh. He knows how to stimulate your mind with thoughts. He knows how to put things on the inside of you. He knows how to get you to entertain that. He knows how to build it and build it and build it and build it till it becomes reality. You begin to react to it emotionally. Then you begin to spew it out of your mouth. And all you do is cancel yourself out of the blessings of God. That's all you do. And, and, and you look for, uh, well, I need a new pastor. I need a new church. I need a new group of people. I need another. Or you just leave and don't even go back to God. A lot of people do that. They just, you know, they just leave, go back to God. I talked to a guy months so ago. They used to come to this church. And I was just talking to him and engaged him in con conversation. How you get, And his vocabulary, because I taught this guy for years. 
His vocabulary had so changed, you could not recognize he was a Christian. I was like, and I, it kind of stunned me for a moment. Because I was thinking, is this guy intentionally talking to me like this to try to mock me or something? Or does he really think and talk like this? And when I was thinking that, the Holy Ghost just said to me, that's the way he is. That's the way he is. He's forsaken everything he was taught. He's forsaken everything that, uh, that God's tried to do in his life. And now this is how he sees things. Well, I, I tell you, I don't, I, I don't like that. I like people blessed. We, we didn't start this church to control people, to hurt people, to, to, to offend people. We, we started to bless people. Can I get a better amen than that? Now notice what happens. You know, we're going to get us another pastor. We're going to get us another church. We're going to get us another job. I'll get me another wife. I mean, how far you want to go in it? Amen? And Joshua, the son of Nun, no, and Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before the assembly of the congregation, the children of Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephthah, which were of them that searched out the land, rent their clothes, and they spake unto the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we passed through to search it is an exceeding good land. They're trying to pull them back. Now, this, listen, this is those times in which you come to church on Wednesday night and think that I'm talking to somebody else other than you. Amen? I remember many times coming to church, both at Lakewood Church and at, 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 at Abundant Life, and thinking, why is this guy preaching to me like this? Well, I'm good. And I'm a submitted member of this church. And then upon, upon examination of my own hearts and motives... The Holy Ghost would say, you better look at this. You better look at this. You better look at this. Because this is a trap. This is a seed that if you sow, they're going to mess you up. And this is something else you better attend to right here. And I figured out real quick, whenever the truth is being preached and the anointing is there, that God's not skipping over me to somebody else. God's either trying to prevent something in my life, or God's trying to correct something in my life, or God's trying to deliver me some of something in my life. Mm-mm-mm. I notice. Ooh, my time's running out. It says, if the Lord delight in us, he will bring us into the land and give us this land which floweth with milk and honey. He's trying to go back to what God said. Now notice verse, verse 9. Only rebel not against the Lord. I don't know. You know, every time you bump up against something, you know what I mean by that? You know, when you're, you think about your church, you think about how you're serving God, you think about your life of faith, you think about what you're praying for, you think about what you're believing God for, and you keep bumping up against stuff, bumping up against something somebody said to you, some, some type of offense, uh, some, something, you might got, something you might have gotten hurt by. You ought to ask yourself, why, is this con why am I continually bumping up against this? It is because the enemy knows he cannot stimulate your spirit to rebellion, but he knows he can stimulate your flesh and your mind to rebellion. So you keep bumping up. I remember things I've bumped up against in prayer, and I think, Lord, why am I keep bumping up against this? And the Lord will say, because you need to deal with this. Amen. And for years of my life, I was on the reception side of this where God was correcting me. Not that I'm not being corrected now, but there are those that correct me. Amen. 
You say, what do you mean by that? I'm submitted to men that speak into my life, that correct me, that I lay my ministry open before. They have the right to do that. And I did not know what it was like to stand on this side of the pulpit and look across at people and have to reinforce that. You didn't have to do that as a traveling minister. You just got up and went, ha, ha, hoo, hoo, and waved your hand and people got healed and saved. That was real easy. But when you're given responsibility for a flock and a group of people, then you've got to get the food out of the pantry that God says, this is what they need to eat right now. This is what they need right now. So when the truth comes, examine it, but let it examine you. Because the ultimate object of your lying adversary is to get you to rebel. And you may think, well, you know, uh, uh, leaving a church or, or quitting being a faith person or, or not, you know, being against the baptism of the Holy Ghost or something. No, no. He, he wants you totally alienated from anything that is of God and righteous in your life. Because he knows if he can get you out there, he can destroy you. He's a predator is what he is. Now notice this. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the Lord of the, uh, fear, fear ye the people of the land, for they're bred for us. Their defiance has departed from them, and the Lord is with them. Fear them not. So everybody went, praise God. Thank God for Joshua. He got up and preached the message. Now we're all delivered from our rebellion. We're all delivered from the lie, and we're ready to go in and possess the land. I thought that was a pretty good message, don't you? Well, look how they responded. But the congregation bade stone them. Well, we'll just kill you, is what we'll do. And many times the word of a rebel is like stones that's trying to kill the move of God in your life. That's why you've got to be careful not only who you hear something from, but how you hear it. Because it will stone you. That's exactly what the enemy's trying to do. And the Lord said unto Moses, no, excuse me, uh, but the congregation bade stole them. Now notice this. The congregation bade stone them with stones, and the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all of Israel. Now, let me tell you something. There are two sides of the glory, and you want to always make sure you're on the right side because I'm telling you, it wasn't good news. Everybody say good news. It wasn't good news for those rebels. It, they start, I mean, from that point and for the next 40 years, they died like flies because of that rebellion. Now, real quick. Give me a minute. How I many? Give me a minute. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. All right. Praise God. We're going on up. No, not really. Go to Second Timothy real quick. Let's bring it into the New Testament. Everybody say New Testament. Second Timothy, chapter two. two we'll just start there in, in verse twenty-three. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Know that they do gender strifes. There's some questions you just should, shouldn't ask. Just keep your mouth shut. Amen? Because nobody sees everything, you know, correctly but God. It says, The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, and patient. Now notice this. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. Now notice this. If God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Now let me read that again. Now before I read it again, let me say this. This scripture saved my life. 
This scripture saved my life more than one time. Because what God will do, if you are serious about serving God, God will put you in a situation where you're going to be consistently exposed to all kinds of offense, all kinds of stuff, all kinds of junk, all kinds of things that will make you want to throw your tools and walk off and say, I've had it with this. I've had it with this. I mean, it started, it started with me literally, literally the week I came back to God. I remember the first trip I made to, uh, up to Tulsa. I mean, I went up there to go to a bull riding school, rodeo school, ended up in a prayer meeting at Brother Hagin's ministry and came back and came, went to church with mom and dad at Assembly God Church, and there were three guys there that came up to me and asked me where I had been for that last couple of weeks, and I told them. And they said, you went to a Kenneth Hagin meeting? And they started just tearing me to pieces. Well, I just felt like, just forget you. Forget this. I remember thinking this. This is, this is the thought that came into my mind. I thought to myself, I know drug dealers that are better than this. I know people that stick needles in their arm that have better character than these people. I mean, I'm telling you, those thoughts started hitting my mind like a machine gun. I know people, and I'm telling you, immediately, God, the truth of the Word of God began to come to me, began to come to me. All through the, the, those foundational stages of our ministry, I'm telling you, people reject you and people say things about you. In a growing church, all kinds of stuff that would happen. I'm telling you, you've got to come to the place where when you are hurt and when you are wounded, you ask God for grace to repent. Because without the grace to repent, you will not repent. But when you do repent, that grace that comes upon you to repent goes to the place in which you need it to go to deliver you out of that. You say, but I was right. It doesn't matter if you're right. It does not matter if you're right or wrong. It matters. Have you adhered to the Word of God? Have you walked in love? Do you walk into for in, in forgiveness? And those things which happen to you, are you willing to let them go so the enemy cannot use them to cause you to go into rebellion? And God will grant you repentance if you seek for it. And I used to go to God and say, God, you're going to have to help me with this one. I'm not talking one or two times. I'm talking multiple times in my life in ministry. I've had to go to God and say, okay, God, right here. You said, you said I don't want to be one of those that oppose myself. I want the grace to repent. I know I'm right, but I am letting go of my right to be right. I know I was wrong, but I'm letting go of my right to feel wrong. And I am going to act like nothing has ever happened. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to love those people. And I'm telling my, my uh, Leah has said it before, my love language is giving, giving, giving. You can always tell if you're someone that is the object of something I'm trying to get over in my life. You say, why? You're going to get a lot of stuff from me. Man, Pastor Rusty has been giving me a lot of stuff. I'm trying to get over something. Come on, church. I guess I give you more than anybody I know. <laughs> you got a lot of stuff, don't you, sweetie? <laughs> oh, Lord, I never thought of that. That's pretty good. But now notice the scripture again. I'm going to read in the Amplified. Let me read the Amplified. We'll close. Is this helping anybody tonight? I mean, these kind of things will help you stay where God plants you, and it'll keep the adversary. Because let me tell you how he works. He doesn't come to you on a, on, a, on, a, on a big Harley with hell's angels on his back 
and come knocking on your door. He comes through you through other believers, through other Christians who, quote, know something. I know something. You, you need to know what I know. That's when you ought to always put up a red flag and say, maybe I don't need to know what you know. Because if it does to me what it's done to you, just thought I'd help you with that. Amen? He must correct his opponents with courtesy and gentleness and hope that God may grant that they will repent and come to know the truth, that they will perceive and recognize and become accurately acquainted with and acknowledge it, and that they may come to their senses and escape out of the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him henceforth to do his or God's will. Now, let me just say this. If you're not going anywhere in your faith, if you're not going anywhere in your life, your business, your ministry, your, 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 your marriage, or whatever it is, your finances, your health, you ought to say, why is there no progression? I should have, I should have brought that letter that that man sent me about how he's been listening to our teaching and, and doing all this stuff and how God, God blessed him and he sees the progression of God's blessing and God got him out of, out of, his, out, out of his debt and he said this, and he ended, he said, I so enjoy living on my new ranch. God gave him a ranch. Amen? So obviously there was some progression in his life to getting to the blessing of God where he was and he was just so overwhelmed by it, he wrote Island Church a check for a bunch of money. Because it's generosity inspired by truth because you've not just heard something, you've experienced it. And that's what God wants for all of His people is for us to experience the truth and have generous hearts because we keep experiencing it over and over and over. And a lot of these precepts and principles that we teach, we talk about how you ought to be given more next year than you did this year and how there should be this progression of faith and blessing in your life. I know there's things to fight. I know there's things to overcome. It may not be year after year, but you should be able to look down the path of your life and see you going from faith to faith and glory to glory glory, unhindered and unencumbered by a bunch of garbage and toxic things. Amen? Because if you don't, it's going to infect you, and what you get infected by is going to harm you, and what harms you, the devil delights in. And I'm telling you, I'm your biggest cheerleader. I want you to succeed in, in your business, in your jobs, in your ministries, in your marriage, in your finances. We've always said, people always say, you know, what's your vision? People say, we're, we're going to, you know, reach the world, do this and that. Our vision is so simple. All the visions of all the families, the married couples, single people, doesn't matter. Your vision is important. So what we're going to do is we're going to teach you the Word of God and preach the Word of God and demonstrate the Word of God so that your vision can come become reality. The vision of your healthy home, the vision of your healed finances, the vision of your good job or your good business or your ministry, whatever it may be. And then all of those visions come together and create this vision. It's that simple. But we have to go through some things and we have to make some adjustments and we have to allow the truth sometimes to correct us, instruct us, and help us to recognize and realize, hey man, I'm telling you. You can stand up and say all day long, there's nothing wrong. But if something's wrong, then the only one that can fix it is you and Jesus. Because you can, you can hope everyone around you makes the adjustments to make you happy again. <laughs> Somewhere over the rainbow, honey. 
The crowds aren't going to do that. The people's not going to do it. Your family won't even do that. There's nobody around here that's going to say, you know, I'm really going to make some strong adjustments in my life so that Leah will be happy again. It's not going to happen. You say, what do you do? You, walk, you work on yourself. You're the only one. That's why the Bible says to submit yourself and to humble yourself. It is an act of your will. And you embrace the truth, you reject the lies, and you guard your heart with all diligence, as it says in Proverbs chapter 4, because out of it are the issues of life. Amen? That help you tonight? Lift your hands up and worship the Lord. Father, we worship you. We thank you for the entrance of your word into our hearts. Bringeth life and bringeth light to us. And Father, I don't pray this for anybody here. I pray it for myself. Lord, I don't want to be blinded to any lies. I don't want to be blinded to anything that's negative in my life. So if I need grace for repentance, I ask for that grace this evening. I ask for that grace in any area of my life. I know the forgiveness is already available through the blood of Jesus. But I need the strength. I need the revelation. I need the anointing. I need that which is necessary for me to repent and turn from anything that hurts me, hurts my walk with God, Hurts the ministry that you've placed me over. Hurts my family. Hurts anyone that I'm connected to. In Jesus' name. And everyone says, amen. Stand on your feet. Father, we bless your name tonight. Thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing in our midst and in our hearts. Thank you as we leave tonight. As is our tradition, we lay hold and claim upon Psalms 91. The protection psalm. No evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. Angels have charge over us. Thank you, Heavenly Father, as we travel on the highways, the airways, the seaways, the railways. Thank you, Heavenly Father, as we work with the righteous labor of our hands. That where you've placed us in the medical field, the petrochemical field, out in the ocean, construction, whatever it may be. Education, Lord God. We thank you, Father. We abide under the shadow of the Most High. We thank you. We walk on serpents, scorpions, over all power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm us. Thank you for that door of utterance, Father. Let us take the grace, the glory, and the compassion of this message, and let us be available to you to proclaim and demonstrate it everywhere we go. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for your love toward us, your compassion toward us, your mercy toward us. Thank you. Here at Island Church, we love one another and thank you for our church. We leave tonight as the ambassadors of Christ you called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the Word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for joining us today. We trust that you enjoyed the podcast. For service times and special events, visit our webpage at www.islandchurchgalveston.com. You can contact us by phone at 409-770-9113. We are located at 2411 69th Street, Galveston, Texas. And remember to keep looking unto Jesus. He is the author and the finisher of our faith.